welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for October the 25th of 2019. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams, and this is a daily gaming news podcast that lets you know what's happening in the gaming industry five days a week, Monday through Friday, on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media or on podcast services via anchor.fm slash Jam Pack Report. If you enjoy the show and you want to read the news, medium.com slash Jam Pack Report can hook you up with that. But with that being said, we have a delay-ocalypse on our hands. We have a slew of delays of some of the biggest games that were slated to come out sometime in 2020, now being pushed back or delayed indefinitely, or at least only given a time frame at that. Uh, but The Last of Us Part Two, hands down the biggest game that has received yet another delay, now coming in May of 2020. We will talk about the letter posted on the PlayStation blog and what it could mean for the game overall. Then Ubisoft has delayed nearly every one of their biggest games, including Watch Dogs, Legion, Gods and Monsters, Rainbow Six Quarantine, and more. Then Twitch streamer Shroud has dumped Twitch and is now moving over to Mixer following Ninja's acquisition a couple of months back, but a big shocker for the streaming community and streaming culture. Then Fallout 76's premium private servers are not private, it's Scrapbox is deleting scrap, and ultimately Fallout First is a flop from the get-go, at least in the public eye. Again, I'm going to stand by my statement yesterday and say the hardcore fans probably still love the thing. Then Sony is exploring the selling off of PlayStation View, and finally I will hook you guys up with some free on the Epic Games Store for the week. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's top gaming news. First off, The Last of Us Part 2 comes to PS4 in May. Neil Druckmann writes on the PlayStation blog, To our fans, let me cut to the chase and get the news out of the way. The Last of Us Part 2 has a new release date of May 29th of 2020. I know, it was just about a month ago when we had our big blowout for the game, letting media play over two hours of it, along with debuting our new story trailer and revealing the release date. The positive response we saw from our community was overwhelming. You can feel the energy among the team members. After working on something for so many years, it is invigorating to get a glimpse of validation for all of the hard work. However, it was during the last few weeks as we were closing out sections of the game that we realized we simply didn't have enough time to bring the entire game up to a level of polish we would call Naughty Dog quality. At this point, we were faced with two options, compromise parts of the game or get more time. We went with the latter, and this new release date allows us to finish everything to our level of satisfaction while also reducing stress on the team. While we are relieved that we won't have to compromise our vision, we are disappointed that we weren't able to avoid this exact situation. We wish we could have foreseen the amount of polish we needed, but the size and scope of the game got the better of us. We hate disappointing our fans, and for that, we are sorry. We hope you understand that this additional time ensures that The Last of Us Part 2 lives up to our collective ambition as well as our commitment to the highest level of quality. We know the extra few months will add to what may already be an excruciating wait for all of us. We are grateful for your patience and continued support. Come next May, you will finally rejoin Ellie in The Last of Us Part 2. Signed, Neil. This was a shocker for a lot of people, of course. Many of the industry heads, uh, when it comes to gaming news, began to say, hey, a big Sony title is getting ready to get delayed, and so everybody was kind of on pins and needles waiting to see which one it would be. The Last of Us Part Two, of course, the most unlikely contender, considering that we did just see the reveal of the release date and the story trailer a couple of weeks back. 
Then, all of a sudden, boom, there it is. The Last of Us Part Two delayed to May 29th of 2020. And the big question is, just how bad off is the game? Because right now, I'm beginning to hesitate a bit with The Last of Us Part Two. Now, with that being said, I'd be hesitating more if reports had come out that the game was facing severe uh, lack of polish issues leading up to its February release. This does make it look like they're working on the game, continuing to polish the game, as they say in the letter, and it will probably hit the level of quality that they expect around May of 2020. But still incredibly shocking, and I think this really is the best point uh, that drives home the idea of not revealing any kind of release date until you have a definitive, glued-down, nailed-down release date. Because this just continually disappoints the players and fans over and over again. With that being said, it doesn't disappoint fans nearly as much as if The Last of Us Part Two was to release and only hit around a 7 or 8 in terms of critical rating, and then you have a game that is overwhelmingly good, but just not quite where The Last of was to begin with with the original game. And I think that is a wise move to make. It's always good to delay a game rather than to release it and be crunched for time. And on top of that, I do believe that this specific situation probably comes because of the holidays, because they do want the team to have ample time to finish the game, uh, but Naughty Dog is in a very specific situation in the industry where they have the clout uh, to make demands. They have the clout to say, hey, gamers, uh, wait a minute. You're not going to get it right now. You'll get it in a minute. So, with that being said, they can take the time to spend the holidays with their families instead of working nonstop on the game, which is something that is totally understandable. And then they come back rejuvenated, refreshed, boom, there it is, The Last of Us Part Two coming up in the middle-ish of 2020 instead of right there after the holidays. Uh, still... Needless to say, a disappointment uh, that they did have to push it back yet again, but without a doubt, uh, something that I think is a pretty wise move in the long run. Now, a story that is kind of connected to this is that apparently reports are coming in that The Last of Us Part Two being pushed back also pushed back the internal release date for Ghost of Tsushima, which has not been given any kind of definitive release date, uh, but apparently that one has been pushed back because of The Last of Us Part Two. So that could have potentially launched uh, sometime in summer of 2020, but now I would say you might be getting that as a PlayStation 5 launch title as well. That could be what's happening with Sucker Punch's brand new uh, game they've got in the pipe. But with that being said, if you were curious as to when The Last of Us Part Two would be hitting store shelves, looks like May 29th of 2020 is going to be the day and the date. Then, Ubisoft is also having a ton of big delays because they have delayed nearly every game they have announced. Ubisoft is delaying several major games on its upcoming slate. Watch Dogs Legion has been set for March 6th, Gods and Monsters had a release date of February 25th, and Rainbow Six Quarantine had been earmarked for the first quarter of 2020. Now all of those games will arrive in the second half of next year. The publisher made the call to push back the games in the wake of disappointing sales performances of Ghost Recon Breakpoint and The Division 2. CEO Yves Guillemot suggested in a conference call Ubisoft didn't wait long enough between sequels for those games to have more of an impact. We feel it's due to the fact that people have been able to play those games for a long time and experiencing that gameplay for a long time. We need to wait longer for something that is more differentiated, he said. As such, Ubisoft giving the development teams on Gods and Monsters, Rainbow Six Quarantine, and Watch Dogs Legion more time to work on those games to ensure that their respective innovations are perfectly implemented so as to deliver optimal experiences for players. It previously delayed Skull and Bones, its multiplayer pirate game, from this fall until the 2020-2021 fiscal year on the conference call. Ubisoft confirmed it's delaying that title again to the following fiscal year 
April 2021 at the earliest for a release date. Ubisoft is planning to release five AAA games in the 2020-2021 fiscal year. On top of Watch Dogs Legion, Gods and Monsters, and Rainbow Six Quarantine, you can expect two titles from Ubisoft's biggest franchises. That suggests new Assassin's Creed and Far Cry titles are on the way during that period. It's unclear what this might mean for Beyond Good and Evil 2. The postponements are likely to have a significant impact on Ubisoft's revenues for the current financial year, one in which it doesn't have a new Assassin's Creed game to rely on either. It lowered projections for the 2019-2020 from $2.4 billion in net bookings to around $1.6 billion, with profit projections dropping from around 480 million euro to between 20 million and 50 million euro. Ubisoft is set to report earnings for the first half of the fiscal year on October 30th, and so we will tune back in and see exactly how bad off the company is. Now, with that being said, after this story broke and after this conference call wrapped up, the stock price of Ubisoft stock plummeted about 21%, which is a significant drop. Uh, the investors were not happy about this one whatsoever. And to be fair, why would they be? This was horrible news. Literally every one of the biggest games that was going to make waves in 2020 from Ubisoft uh, has been pushed back to the latter half, leaving pretty much the entire first half of 2020 open water. It is ready to be filled with things. Of course, on top of that, you had The Last of Us Part Two being pushed back. So February, March, and even the first part of April, pretty, pretty desolate, honestly. You know, the first big game coming out in 2020 that comes to mind now is probably Cyberpunk 2077, and that's saying something. And then on top of that, you've got uh, The Last of Us Part Two coming out in the same month. But man, really bad news coming from Ubisoft. Out of all of the games that have been delayed, I would say Gods and Monsters is probably the one that I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, now, my big question, the big takeaway from this story is, will Skull and Bones ever even come out? Uh, if it's going to be coming out in 2021, I feel like fan interest is probably uh, dead at that point. I mean, even more so than it is right now. Uh, but again, another big question, what's going to be happening with Beyond Good and Evil 2? Uh, that game has been coming down the pipe for a long time now, and quite frankly, uh, there is no end in sight for that one. I believe the last we heard about Beyond Good and Evil 2 uh, was whenever Joseph Gordon-Levitt came on stage asking fans to make the game instead of the development team. I went there. Anyways, yeah, so it looks like 2020 is going to be a pretty desolate year, at least in the first half, for Ubisoft. And on top of that, The Last of Us Part Two has been delayed. Not looking so good on the Ubisoft front. Definitely going to be tuning in to that conference call on the 30th to see just how bad off Ubisoft is when it comes to their financials. Then... Twitch streamer Shroud has followed Ninja to Mixer. Another popular BR streamer has switched platforms. This is a pretty big deal. Michael Shroud Grishik, I believe I massacred that name. Griseshik? Uh, I think that's what it is. Griseshik. Ah, you know, it's Shroud, the, the dude on Twitch. One of Twitch's most popular streamers is making the switch to Mixer. Microsoft's live streaming service. Shroud announced the move by tweeting out a short video on Thursday morning along with the caption, Same Shroud, New Home. This move comes just two months after Fortnite streamer Tyler Ninja Blevins, excuse me, another of Twitch's most popular personalities, made the move to Mixer. Since he began streaming exclusively on Mixer, Blevins' broadcasts have gone from averaging around 37,000 viewers to averaging around 14,000, according to TwitchTracker.com. Also, according to Twitch Tracker, Shroud currently has the third highest subscriber count among individual streamers on Twitch. Now, pause. I don't believe that's accurate. I believe they meant to say follower count because I couldn't find any kind of subscriber count on TwitchTracker.com. That being said, moving on. However, as part of the move, Mixer is offering viewers a free month-long subscription to 
Shroud's channel as long as they have a Mixer account. According to a press release, Mixer will be Shroud's exclusive streaming home for games and other videos. Shroud's first gained notoriety as a Counter-Strike streamer before joining Cloud9 to play the game professionally. After a short pro career, Shroud moved to streaming full-time, where he became one of Twitch's most popular streamers, with an emphasis on Battle Royale games like PUBG and Apex Legends, as well as other multiplayer shooters. According to his Mixer channel, which went live shortly after the announcement, Shroud's first stream on the platform should come sometime around 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, October the 24th. And I will confirm he did, in fact, stream on Mixer. And when I tuned in, uh, he had around 64,000 viewers watching him live. Of course, that was because he was playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare, a huge game for 2019 that also launched today. Uh, so that definitely was a pretty good way uh, to make a debut on a platform. Uh, but with that being said... It looks like Mixer is definitely going to be acquiring more streamers in the coming months. This is a major get. And of course, the statement that I made on Twitter is pretty much something that I think stands true here. This is going to be interesting to see how Mixer does now that they have a family-friendly uh, headline streamer in Ninja and also somebody who is a more mature audience-driven kind of creator with Shroud. Now you have something for everybody, or at least something for everybody looking for something in the FPS genre. Uh, now, of course, as you would expect, tons of small-time Twitch streamers are going to be migrating over to Mixer now, and then they will inev inevitably migrate back. It's the way of the road, as Tim the Tapman says. It's quite the situation here, but without a doubt, Microsoft is funneling money into Mixer in a big way, and I'm very curious to see if it does end up paying off for them. And I would love to be a fly on the wall during these conference calls to see how long the exclusivity deal is, uh, because I know there are some Mixer streamers that were paid to move over from Twitch that as soon as their contracts were up, some even prematurely, they dipped, went right back to Twitch, and explained everything, uh, talking about how it was a one-year exclusive deal, and it was not worth it whatsoever. And ultimately... This is a pretty big move. In a way, it's kind of like the Epic Games situation where you do have Epic paying copious amounts of money uh, to get exclusive games on their platform or at least to have timed exclusivity so that they can be a contender in the game. Mixer would not be a competitor in the least with Twitch if it didn't have big headline stars. And although there are some people with talent on Mixer, you don't have anybody like Ninja. You don't have anybody like Shroud. That's what it comes down to. I'm sorry to Mixer streamers, but that's just how it is. Uh, but now they do have pretty uh, huge names in the streaming industry, and so we will see if it does end up paying off for them in the long run. Uh, also, curious to see how much Shroud streams on Mixer, because I believe that I haven't been keeping track, but I think Ninja has been streaming a bit less, if I am to be correct in that. But with that being said, let's talk about yesterday's story for a minute, shall we? Because Fallout 76 has the brand new Fallout First subscription model, and now... Looks like a lot of those features aren't working out so hot. The gaming industry is still trying to wrap its collective head around the sheer hilarious audacity of Bethesda charging $12.99 per month or $99 per year for a premium Fallout 76 subscription service, Fallout First. Fallout 76 was a notoriously broken game at launch, but over time fixed itself and added content until it created a nice little niche community. A nice little niche community that Bethesda would now like more money from. I knew, the author says, that at least some segment of the population, however small, would indeed sign up for Fallout first, as again, some people are really into 76 now, but many of them already regret doing so. There have been some issues with the promised exclusive content in this premium subscription, namely the introduction of private servers and an unlimited scrapbox to hold all of your junk. 
There are a few issues cropping up here. First, Fallout First players are finding that a newly created world they might be heading into is not actually new at all. Players are reporting dead NPCs and looted areas when they get there, implying that these are not actually new instances, but instead reused old instances masquerading as brand new private worlds. The private aspect is up for debate too. Players with big friends list, i.e. merchants who sell player goods in the game, are finding that they can't prevent people from joining their private servers where they just want to relax and play by themselves or with a few friends. Without some sort of invisible mode, other players can see your instance and join it. Then there's the scrap box. If you were looking forward to the unlimited storage of scrap in Fallout 76 with the new scrap box perk of Fallout First, you definitely don't want to be using it just yet. Multiple players are reporting that they have deposited hundreds of units of scrap into these new boxes, only to find that the box has eaten it. The scrap disappears for the instance and can't be found again from relogging or anything. It's just gone. Players are not amused at the fact that they now have paid for the privilege of losing all of their materials, and so far there does not seem to be any way to recover any of this. So do not use these boxes until there is a clear fix for this. Not that more than like two of you reading this are going to subscribe, but still. Given that this is both Bethesda and Fallout 76, it is no real surprise that these things are not working as intended. And yet, when you are rolling out a ludicrously priced premium service, you better make it work as intended and not do active harm to the players you've managed to convince to buy it. Good lord, what next? And of course, Bethesda has since updated their stance on the situation, saying that the scrap box situation is something that they can fix on their end. It seems to be making things invisible, not necessarily gone. Your scrap is still there, they will refund it, it should be fine. But inevitably, this is just embarrassing at this point, honestly. You can't debut this premium subscription service and ask for a hilarious amount of money only to have uh, what appears to be a conglomeration of several half-baked features thrown into players' games. But again, I do want to make the statement that I made yesterday. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what the gaming community at large thinks. At the end of the day, this service is for the people that still continually play Fallout 76. And it doesn't matter how bad the service is at launch, people will still pay for it. People will still get behind it. People will still play the game because it has a very dedicated audience and that's something Bethesda is incredibly good at. They find a dedicated audience with their products. Uh, but with that being said, would not recommend Fallout First if I did have to give you a recommendation. But again, I'm not one of those hardcore fans. So who knows? At the end of the day, it could be worth it. But I still feel like the unlimited scrap thing and, of course, the ability to have your own private world should be something that is included with the base game overall. That makes zero sense to me in the... What is that noise? Is that, is that shitty music? It's somebody drilling outside. It's 7.29 in the morning. Uh, anyways, let's wrap this up before somebody comes through my wall. Sony is exploring the sale of PlayStation View, signaling a shift on streaming. Sony Corp is exploring the sale of its PlayStation View service, which offers a slimmed-down version of cable TV delivered over the internet, said people familiar with the situation. Sony's move is the latest sign that the four-year-old trend towards cheaper cable-like streaming services also is promoted by YouTube, DirecTV, and Dish Network. It has indeed faded. The company tapped Bank of America Merrill Lynch several months ago to explore a sale, which would include the company's technology and a subscriber list of around 500,000 households. I apologize for the profuse amount of noise in the background. According to the people, selling PlayStation View, which loses money, would help Sony at a time when it's fending off activist investor Daniel Loeb, who is calling on the company to restructure in order to lift its stock price. 
Among the companies that Sony has approached about View is Fubo TV, a sports-oriented streaming service, although those discussions have not gone anywhere, according to one of the people. The business is likely to be valued at the tens of millions, the person said. Word of Sony's exploration of a sale of Sony View continues as the trend of people cutting cable TV cord shows signs of accelerating as a spate of big companies from Apple to Disney to AT&T's Warner Media prepare to launch Netflix-like on-demand streaming services at a much lower cost than the cable-like offerings from Sony and others. On Thursday, cable giant Comcast reported that it lost 222,000 video subscribers in the third quarter, more than twice the number it lost a year earlier. Sony was one of the first companies to offer what it was dubbed a skinny bundle of cable channels, referring to a smaller programming lineup offered for a lower price than conventional cable. After Sony's offering rolled out four years ago, satellite TV network Dish launched its Sling TV, YouTube jumped in with YouTube TV, while DirecTV and Hulu both followed. The trend seemed popular at first. Around 8 million subscribers now use one of those services, helping offset cord cutting from traditional cable. But rising programming costs made it tough for these services to make any money, forcing each of them to raise prices, choking off growth. Sony has increased the price of PlayStation View three times, most recently last summer, when it upped the price of all of its plans by 5 bucks per month. Now, its cheapest plan is 50 bucks per month. Despite that, the service has been a money loser for the consumer electronics company, according to two people familiar with the situation. Sony has not been actively marketing its PlayStation View products in recent years, which is an indication that the service hasn't been focusing for the company, or at least hasn't been a focus for the company, said Eric Hagstrom, forecasting analyst at eMarketer. Now, with that being said, the story goes on to talk more about the other offerings from other companies, uh, but this would be an incredibly wise move, in my opinion, because why do a lot of things okay when you can do a few things incredibly well. And I think that really the PlayStation brand has proven that Sony should focus on gaming. They don't want necessarily cell phones. They don't necessarily want televisions because the Bravia TV line is something of the past, if I'm being honest with you. On top of that, you also have a huge growth in the PlayStation market, and they are the leaders when it comes to console gaming, when it comes to home gaming. And throw yourself into that. Become the gaming entity that you always were meant to be. There is no reason to continue uh, trying to become a big TV programming supplier. Of course, it is cool to have the option, but at the same time, if you can sell that, uh, make tens of millions of dollars, and still have that option to stream content directly to the PlayStation 4 through this new, now rebranded service, then why wouldn't you go ahead and take somebody up on that? Uh, but to dump PlayStation Now, I think, is an incredibly wise move. I hope they do end up selling it, uh, because right now, it's just hemorrhaging money, and there's no reason to keep it on the lineup. It just simply is something that is a bit redundant, uh, considering that you can't have Netflix, you can't have Hulu on your PlayStation 4, you have all of these other options uh, that make having an own independent cable service kind of irrelevant, uh, considering that people don't really need it that much anymore especially with all of the uh, small individual services that do supply stuff like sports and general entertainment to the masses. But with that being said, some of you guys don't watch TV. You might want a free game or two to try out over the weekend, and Layers of Fear and Cube 2 are the newest Epic Game Store freebies. Costume Quest and Soma are coming next week. You know the drill by now, they say at Destructoid. Epic has free weekly games. You can nab them if you want. You can claim them if you want to play them, if you think someday you might want to play them, or if you are pretty sure you will never play them, but you just like an overgrowing library. And you do.
This week, it's layers of fear and Cube 2, spooky and puzzling. Cue them up if you are in the mood to be scared or to have your mental aptitude tested. Next week doubles down on the Halloween themes when Costume Quest and Soma are slotted in as the weekly freebies. And of course, they will give you a heads up, and so will I. But if you do want to pick up this week's free games, Layers of Fear and Cube 2 coming to the Epic Game Store as of right now. So dive in, give them a look, and pick them up for free. As I always say, even if you have no intention of playing them right now, they're still free games, so you might as well add them to your library just in case something happens down the line. Maybe you're stranded on a desert island and you want to check out the hottest games of the island. It could be Layers of Fear and Cube 2 because that could be all you have installed on your PC. I think at that point, I'd just try and swim off the island. It's not worth it. Uh, but regardless, that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. I appreciate you checking out the show, and I do hope you enjoyed what I brought to the table. But if you did, subscribe on YouTube, find the show, and follow it on a podcast feed, and integrate it into your daily routine. But until Monday, have a phenomenal rest of the weekend. I will upload an episode of The Drop on Sunday to let you know the hottest games of the week. But I will talk to you soon, and peace.